From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 419. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Are you ready to blaze it next week? <laughs> is it episode 420 next 420, week? I did. That baby. didn't. Wow, that didn't hit me, but uh, we're gonna have to do something special for mm-hmm. that. I think we should, you know, you know, get some edibles or something, and I guess so. And do a do a thing that so would be an interesting my, show. Yeah, will be very interesting. One of my favorite podcasts, my brother, my brother, and me. They make mm-hmm. lots of jokes about like drug culture, and like they just kind of have fun with it, and like they mm-hmm. always do like four twenty, like ah, you know, like just the kind yeah. of joke that we've just done, which is just very like right. a very ironic thing, and. As they were building up to the 420th episode, people were like, you know, like the the excitement was building in the audience <laughs> space of like, what are they going to do for episode 420? So they mm. just skipped it. They went from 419 to 421. <laughs> it was genius. That because genius. then they were able to do a very funny joke and he, and get away from having to do this like Blaze It 420 episode. So they just went from 419 yeah. to 421. It's very smart. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate the Blaze It 420 jokes, but uh, you're probably not going to get more than that <laughs> on this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to start things off, and, mm-hmm. and maybe I need some Blaze It 420 for what I'm about to say, is I, I really think a lot about pens, Mike. I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware. Like, I hmm. think a lot about you? how I, I, I use pens mm-hmm. and how... I handle pens and what I'm currently using and and things like that. Maybe I could <laughs> I could use some 420 enlightenment <laughs> to help me out here. So you can clear but your mind I, a bit. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I go in these constant cycles, and anyone who's been a long term listener has has heard me talk about this before when I clean my pens about how I generally go like just full scorched earth and reset the entirety of what I have inked up. So I was trying not to do that a few weeks ago when I cleaned like six or eight pens and I still found out, you know, earlier or like last weekend that I had 11 fountain pens still linked up. I was like, ah, that is just too many. How how did I clean some and still end up with 11 fountain pens ink? That's just too many for me. Like I don't use them enough for that to be a healthy practice to have that many inked up. You know, it's just wasteful basically. So... I, I did the thing where I just go, screw it. I'm just going to clean them all out, right? So I hunted down every fountain pen I had inked up. I had more than... I thought, I was like, oh, here's these four pens that I know I'm really... Like, they're kind of my favorites right now. Like the 823 and the Sailor Fujiyama and Brooks Arushi, Lamy Safari and things like that. All these, these, I'm loving using these, having these sitting on my desk, laying around... But, you know, they're just not getting enough individual love. So let's let's break them down, start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking around my desk and, oh, there's another fountain pen inked up. And, oh, there's another fountain pen inked up. And it just kept going and going and finally it was 11 pens. Well, it's not surprising like, forget really, it. is it, for you? Not even at all. Yeah. Like, my, I tell myself it's not that bad. And then when I actually go to do the thing, I was like, hmm, like 11 for some people is not bad for me. That's too many. So I got them all down. And the only fountain pen I didn't clean was the Platinum Curidos. Because you didn't know how to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, Mike. How do you clean that pen? I don't know. I don't know. I think I'll just, since this one has the cracked feet, I'll just send it back before cleaning just it to get the replacement. Replace it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Every time I need a new Curidos, I'll just replace it. Um, <laughs> but I'm still, I still, I'm planning on doing my review soon for that, right? So it was pointless to clean it because I still use it. I, I've, I've put my thoughts together on the Curidos enough now to where I feel good reviewing it. So that one stayed inked. Everything else went. The other thing, the other reason why I chose to go ahead and clean out all these pens is that 10 out of the 11 pens had some form of blue ink in them. <laughs> and that's just lame. That that frustrated yeah. me since they were yeah. since they were inked at all different times, right? Like the Fujiyama blue comes in and well, of course I'm going to ink that with like some bright sailor blue. I, I put sky high in it. Like that's the perfect thing. Like that's what you should do. I had 10 variations of blue ink and one purple ink in the uh, the dark lilac Urushi Lami Safari. So that was another thing that frustrated me. I was like, well, I want to use orange or green or yellow or whatever it is, pink, but I don't want to ink up another pen to add on to these. So now the challenge is how long can I go <laughs> without getting out a new fountain pen to ink? Um, I'm on like two days now. And mm-hmm. it's going okay because I've had a rash of new products come in that, you know, I, I'm not strictly a fountain pen user, right? I That's probably one of my least used pens on a day-to-day basis. So having 11 inked up is too much. And then having all these other options that I love to use um, now has me thinking, can I get away with, how many days can I get away with not inking up a fountain pen and let me just be perfectly clear it's not going to be many days (laughs) like there's no i'm not trying to say you know i'm going to go a month without inking up a fountain pen that's not going to happen if i made it to this weekend it would be a miracle right so my question to you is how long could you go without if you started from zero with your current fountain pen staring at you and none of them had ink in them how long could you go without inking one up like when would you would you have a breaking point like pretty quick or do you think you could go pretty long without using it? Um, I mean it's like this is this is a need want thing, right? Like I sure. could go forever, right? And my my mm-hmm. life isn't mm-hmm. gonna be like badly affected. Not like if you said right. to me you can't use your phone, right? Like that then we're in a right. different a different world. I mean, honestly I would probably at max go like two days before I would want mm would want to have a new pen inked up. You know, because I could use for a couple of days my non-fountain pens, but all of my yeah. favorite pens are my fountain pens. So I would only go for a couple of days maximum before I wanted to do that. Yeah, that's what I put in the show doc for myself. I said, I think I could go about three days. Because I just, I have these fountain pens because I love how they feel, how they make my handwriting look how I get to use unique nibs and unique barrel styles and sometimes pieces of art and get to put unique ink colors and use them on fun paper. Like I can't always get that with the ballpoint. Like we're going to talk about the Rotring 600. Like that's fine. Like I could use the Rotring 600 for weeks at a time, but I want something different, you know, and that customization that I always talk about with fountain pens, it's going to mean that I can't go very long without inking up a new fountain pen. So the other reason why I just kind of scorched earth again is so I can get some new pens into the rotation. Like this is part of the bigger project of what pens 
make the cut for continued use and what pens need to be sold, right? That's just, that's the, the overarching theme here is eventually I'll have pen sale round two, which I probably need to have, you know, like pretty soon, probably like this fall. Cause I've bought a bunch of pens without selling pens here recently. And it's time to go through that again. So I'm breaking it all down and having a fountain pen reset right now, but right. that's, that's, it's, it's totally cyclical for me. Like this is a conversation we've had a million times, but the, the thing that it struck me this time was how many blue inks I had inked up and how much that annoyed me because it prevented me from adding, going to 15 inked fountain pens just so I could ink a green and a pink. I was like, well, that's dumb. You need to clean out these pens before you start doing that. I seem to remember it was like a goal for you this year to stop using as many blue inks as you're using and was you wanted yeah. to be more experimental. Yeah. So two years ago, my theme was um, experiment and mm-hmm. I get frustrated when I don't allow myself to do that. Right. It's, it becomes a frustration point when I just want to throw a blue black ink into a pen. Right. right. And I'll actually sit in front of my inks and I probably have 200 inks and just be frustrated trying to decide what non blue black ink I'm going to use. I, I don't know why that just makes it's one of those sticking points for me, you know, because you have to go for me. It's a, it's a going outside of my norm thing. You know, if I'm going to put the effort in using this pen and putting this ink in it, am I going to enjoy it or am I wasting my time in filling it and committing to it? So like I get stuck on those types of things, which is, is ridiculous when you say it out loud, but those are the things that, you know, I, I get stuck on sometimes. So that's why I'm trying to have this cleanse right now. So I can have some enlightenment when I go to ink up the next pen. So I already, I already kind of know what the next, next couple of pens I want to ink up. and I just haven't figured out the inks yet. So um, we'll do that soon. <laughs> so in, in lieu of any fountain pen use. Hmm. Mike, I've been using some other things of note recently. One is the brand new Rotring 600 colors. Were you going to try to get any of the pencils for you? I know you like the the 600 pencil. Did any of the color pencils speak to you in, in any way, shape, or form to try to order them for yourself? Memory tells me that I liked the green one, but I think mm-hmm. it was a case of really wanting to actually... See. Yeah, if I remember right, it's like, yes, I would... But I want to wait to see it in person, which could mm-hmm. be who knows when mm-hmm. uh, before. Because it's yeah. like, you know, I'd, uh, it would purely be seeing one, being like, "Oh, that color, I really like it." Like that would be the only reason that I would do it. So I think I would just I would need to see all the colors uh, in their glory before making that kind of decision. Yeah, and I will say a couple of things. One, it looks like they're going to be pretty wide release. Like, this looks like going to be a mainline Rotring release. They seem to be, even though they've sold out a lot of places from the get-go, they're at least accessible from a lot of places, right? Like, so people, if people want these, they should be able to get what they want. We were worried in the beginning not knowing what the release was going to be. Was it going to be a regional type release? Are we going to be able to have to fight to get these? Because I really wanted the blue. So... I was able to order something from each color so I could look at them and see. And I'm definitely the blue person. So I got the 0.5 millimeter pencil in blue for myself. And I got, I matched that up with the ballpoint, the 1.0 millimeter ballpoint in blue. And that's what I've been using like the last two days exclusively. I've used the Rotring 600 um, ballpoint in blue. I forget the, they, they call the red matter red, which is a weird name. I don't know what the blue and green are called. And I, they're great. Like, I think you will really like the green, the green. 
any of the marketing, and we just we talked about this when the marketing first first launched. You can barely tell it's green in the marketing photos. It looks very black, and they call it camouflage green, which makes me think you know a, a brownish blackish green. And it is definitely more of the British racing style green. Just it has a little metallic. Yeah, so I think people who want the green are going to be pretty happy with it in person over the pictures. It's got a little bit of metallic to it. Like all the red and the blue both have like a metallic sheen on the barrel and the green is better looking in person than in pictures. So I will say that the ballpoint that I'm using takes Parker style refills. It's a Rotring branded refill. I'm wondering if it's like the Schmidt 9000, but I don't know. Maybe it's just Rotring's refill because it does say made in France on it. So I don't, I don't even know what's going on here, but it's a really nice refill. It's smooth, dark black ink, and you can change it into the, you know, the Jetstream SXR 600 refill that I like so much. That's the Parker style Jetstream. I'll, I'll end up putting one of these, one of those refills in this pen eventually. And the, it's just really well done. Rotring did a good job. You know, the only knock that I'll have on any of these new Rotring products is the back end of the pencil with the with the cutout in the eraser cap it, it, that just does not make any sense to me um but it, you know it is what it is and you don't really notice it that much but i was like that is just a weird design choice for someone who makes such clean pens like rotring that is just the strangest design choice aside from that i'm using the spoke pen in cyan which is the bright kind of turquoisey blue and this has been so every week I pick a pen for my William Hanna journal. So I switch that up every week. So this week it's the ro- it's the spoke pen in cyan and I use the Uniball Signo DX Lavender Black 0.38 millimeter gel. That's my favorite refill. Lavender for... Black. Mm-hmm. What color mm-hmm. is that? It's a darker, it's basically dark purple. Okay. So Uniball's regular purple gel is a very bright purple. So this darkens it up a bit and makes it like if you weren't looking, like if you just looked at it real quick, you'd just pass it off as a black ink. But if you pay attention, it's actually a very dark purple ink. So it's nice. I really love it. Mm, Okay. And they do that in, I think the RT1 is their retractable pen model. They have lavender black. They, I think they might've done that in the 307. They did some, um, they did a few, they did some green, black, red, black, blue, black, purple black in the 307 model okay i believe as well but that's just one of my favorite favorite combos if i'm not using black 0.38 i'm using lavender black 0.38 and then blue black 0.38 those are kind of my go-tos for the signo dx and putting them in the spoke pen and then to just go full company man here i'm using the spoke uh, model 4 mechanical pencil which is actually the pencil that got me talking to Brian way back mm-hmm. in the day my partner at spoke I think this is just one of the greatest uh, pencil designs and he changed he inverted the grip and made a brass grip and put it with an orange barrel and it's just it's just the daddy of all pencils like it's it's which just one straight is that one my, my pencil so it's spoke model four orange barrel brass inverted grip because I just noticed on the website the model five. Yes. That's new to me. Yes. How new is this? Uh, psh, Early this year. Six months. It's nice looking. 
It's very professional. Maybe looking. not. Maybe not even six. It's great looking. It's been very well received. So it doesn't have the separate grip section. It's basically like a, a unified barrel as opposed to the Model 4, which yeah. is a separate barrel and grip section. So yeah, I would say like one. the Model 4 is the fun version and the, the Model mm-hmm. 5 is like the business version. Yeah, and we and the Model 5 can now come in point three as well, which we had a lot of requests for, and that's done very well. And are you now involved in the mechanical pencil part of the business too? Yeah, yeah, so it's okay. all kind of rolled up together now. Right. So yeah. any of the spoke design stuff I am... I am a part of now. You have input, at least. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, I remembered you saying that that like the the thought was if the Kickstarter was a success, then you were going to become a partner in the business. Is that is that? Yep. The, uh, es- yeah. Yes. Essentially, that's correct. So, um, so yeah, I I definitely have say in the in the product design, and I'm, I definitely say we need to charge more for the spoke pencils. So we're working on that. <laughs> business Brad. They're too cheap. They're such. They're they're legitimately good products, even though I'm biased in saying that completely. But um, I yeah, love them. I have my and, Model and Four that's right why here. I, Yeah, that's why I want to be part of a company that does that. It's the same thing with Knock, right? Like I really believe in the product, so I'm I'm willing to just say, you know, how great they are because I believe in them that much. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I've kind of been using in the non fountain pen category is the Blackwing Ravi Shankar pencil. It's so pretty. It's just really good. It has the extra firm cores in it, so it's it's a dark firm lead. It's this beautiful yellow pattern pencil with the yellow eraser. It's just it's really good. I'm sure this one's sold out. If not, it's on the way to being sold out. They did a really really great job with this. Blackwing did, and um, I always keep some pencil handy. I have way too many pencils, but I, I just I like them. There's something about a pencil, Mike, that gets me. I know you don't you don't share the same the same feelings and that's that's cool not wood um not wood case yeah yeah not the wooden pencils yeah Yeah, i I totally get that so um last thing which i just got in and i want to say i'm going to use it like asap but i'm really trying to be a good boy because i got in a musubi notebook to use for myself so i've i've ordered some products from musubi um, after we talked last week, or maybe even before we talked last week, about the Tomoe River paper and the blog post that Daryl Daryl wrote, and there's been some updates to that link, so y'all can go find that link in the chat uh, or in the show notes from last week. And I, I placed an order because I've while I've bought several Misubi notebooks, I've always bought them to give to other people because they're really you know exquisite. They they really make an impression, and I've never ordered any for myself, so I did that, and I'm about halfway through my current notebook which it's going to take me like another couple months to get through. So I have this Musubi notebook waiting for me when I do. I got iridescent indigo. It's just glorious. It's glorious. I'm very happy with it with a bank paper on the inside, which is uh, give it a good feel for all types of pens and inks and pencils and all the different things that I use. You see how many non-fountain pens I use on the regular. I don't necessarily, that's why I've never really gone for the Tomoe River notebooks as much as I appreciate and enjoy them. I need a paper that's going to be um, work well with many, many types of writing instruments. And the bank paper is it. And the iridescent indigo cover is it. And it's going to be hard to not crack this crack this open, but I'm, I'm holding strong. The iridescent New notebook philosophy. Indigo bank paper. Oh, it looks nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really does have a little bit of iridescence to it. But I, I really like the fabrics that daryl chooses especially the 
vintage denims and the wools that he, that they uses for the um for the covers of, of the notebooks. Though that's my style, you know, the blues and the blacks and the grays. Oh, I also ordered a pen case, a pen sleeve, the two pen sleeve, which I never had. Like I've bought one of those too, and I give it away. So like they're just such good good giveaway items. They're spectacular stuff. So yeah. I loaded up at Masubi, and I'm ke- I'm keeping it this time. <laughs> I usually give it all away. I'm keeping these for me. Ha! What is bank paper? It's hard to explain. It's it's definitely more of a non-coated paper, and it's got a little bit of texture on it. But it holds fountain pen ink very well. Like it doesn't bleed or feather. Like you you feel this paper and you think, oh, my inks are going to soak into this paper, but they don't. So it holds up well to fountain pen inks. But it's not going to have like the the sheen that you you'd get out of Tomoe River. Mm. And it's going to work better since it is textured. It's going to work better for pencils and markers and different types of pens like that. So I did a review of the Life Bank Paper Pad. And I enjoyed that style of paper. It's a very different feel. Like it's not even, it doesn't even feel like a Leuchtturm or something like that. Something you'd say is a non-coated paper. It has more texture to it when you're writing on it. And some people just flat out don't like it. And that's fair, especially with, um, you know, maybe with like extra fine fountain pen nibs, it might not be the best paper. Oh, I think looking at the pictures in your review, Mm -hmm. I know this kind of paper. Mm -hmm. Or like I've used paper that it's reminiscent of where it's just like, bleed through well what about just see through <laughs> it's like you know yeah you're in a different world now my friend yeah yeah okay so i've liked how it performs but some people you know like heavy fountain pen users might just swear it off completely because it's not the perfect fountain pen paper even though it's good for fountain pens yeah your dry time's gonna be a long period of time i assume on paper like that it's not as bad as you would think. Like okay. everything, everything about this paper for fountain pens is not as bad as you would think, which makes it ends up in totality makes it a good paper for fountain pens. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a basically it's a it's a different flavor of paper, if you will. Right? It's it works the same, it looks the same, but you kind of gotta. It's an acquired taste, maybe. And just on the Masubi, they're referenced on the website as diaries, but they're not mm-hmm. printed diaries, though, are they? No, not at all. Like my okay. bank paper one is blank. Um, I think a lot of times that I've seen in Japanese and other Asian, Asian stationery brands, diary references a shape or a size, almost mm-hmm. like the A5 or a even smaller even it doesn't have to be a five size but it has to be a thicker bound yeah. style of yeah. notebook a lot as of opposed pages. to a spiral bound or mm. a glue bound some type of of almost hardcover bound um book that has a decent amount of pages in it right okay so it's kind of i think it's kind of a more of just a generic term in this situation whereas if you were there was some us maker that made a diary I guarantee if we went to the product page, it would have like calendars and dates and all that type of stuff in it, right? It would have different kinds of sections. Okay. All right. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. And then we're going to hit up some products and some reviews and some, uh, some interesting stuff. 
All right, well, this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Pen Chalet. Pen Chalet have everything you're looking for from your favorite brands. Whether you want a rollerball, a fountain pen, or a ballpoint, whether you want to buy something from Lamy, Monteverde, Pelican, so many more, they're going to have it because they're adding new products all the time. Every month, you're going to find new things over at Pen Chalet. And you're also, if you go back frequently enough, you're going to find lots of great discounts. A couple of times a month, you're going to see wonderful discounts over at Pen Chalet, as well as the great exclusive discounts that we have for Pen Addict listeners. But it's not just the writing implements that you can find at Pen Chalet. You can also get everything that you need that surrounds them. Whether you want notebooks, whether you want carrying cases, whether you want fountain pen converters or ink, they're going to have it at Pen Chalet. And you're going to get great shipping costs because if you buy anything of over $50 and you want to get it shipped in the U.S., that's going to be free for you. So free shipping on orders of over $50 in the United States with great shipping rates going internationally as well. Pen Chalet has low prices on high-quality pens and offers a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They want to make sure that you're super happy. They offer fast and reliable customer service because they care about your business. Go to penchalet.com. That's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PENADDICT and you'll get your hands on this week's special offer and the code that you need to save 10% on anything at any time at Penchalet because you are a listener of this show. What do we have on offer this time, Mr. Brad Dowdy? So a couple of things before we even get into the offer page. Number one, we were talking about paper. Pen Chalet carries the endless, endless notebooks in their Tomoe River paper, and they're very, always very well reviewed and received by people who use them. It's a, a it's a, you know, three hundred plus page Tomoe River, um, and Pen Chalet even did like a custom cover version of that one for their shop. So you should look that one up. I'm not sure if it's on the list. I haven't scrolled all the way down or anything like that. Um, second, every time I land on their webpage, which is pretty frequent on the homepage right now. The first image that shows up is the Visconti Crystal Dreams Homo Sapiens. So the Homo Sapiens is kind of a famous pen in fountain pen world. And people have always asked for some type of ink window in that. So last year they did kind of like a side ink window, like almost porthole style ink window. Now they're doing like a full clear barrel. I'm still not sure it's for me, but that always pops into <laughs> pops up in there and makes me stop in my tracks is like yeah that's pretty cool looking so onto the discounts you have to scroll there's lots of good stuff from the cross towns and rollerball the price that it's offered at if you're into rollerballs this is the classic shape cross that is probably one of the few cross pen shapes that i recommend so they make a fountain pen in the townsend and a rollerball and a ballpoint in the townsend and it's just really really well done well made and this is well uh percentage percentage off um so it's it's a very good deal and if you scroll all the way down scroll down a bunch i mean this is a long list again ron likes to sneak stuff in there from time to time and there is a Pelican M205, which is one of the pens I always talk about, and it tends to be pretty expensive for what it is, but I always say how good of a deal it is that you can get on it if you shop for them, and Ron has a the a green translucent M205 for a price that is the no-brainer price for the M205, wow. so if you've ever wanted one of those pens, yep. that's the price. Um, that's a price you need to check out, plus the this style and model is one of the best. It's in the classic 
Pelican green. Um, it's the green of their ink windows on Pelican, but it's in the entire pen essentially. So it's one big cool. ink window. So, yeah, one big ink. Window. So quick, uh, quick update from the chat. Thank you, chat. The endless notebook is only 192 pages, but everything I said uh, still stands. So it's a very cool Tomoe River paper notebook. So yeah, there you go. Thank you, Pen Chalet, for being awesome. So if you want to find out more about those deals and get your hand, get to see the prices that we're talking about, you want to go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password penaddict and you'll get your hands on these offers and the 10% code to use to save anything on penchalet at any time. Our thanks to penchalet for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So I reviewed the Kaveco Supra this week, Mike, which is a long time coming. This is a Are you pen fl- that is so <laughs> strange to look at pictures of because when you yeah. see it on its own, right? So like the first few pictures on the page, it's like, oh, that's like a Lilliput. Mm-hmm. And then you see it later on down in your page, like stacked next to the other Kavecos, And then it just mm-hmm. looked like, I, like my brain, it breaks looking at the images <laughs> because then when you see it next to the Twisby, it looks like a little put again. And it's just a tiny Twisby. Mm-hmm. And then you see, it's very, this is a very strange, <laughs> like I'm really struggling to get my head around the size and scale of this pen. It's very weird. It's definitely one of the stranger pens on the market, which is why I definitely wanted to review it. Also being a Kaveco and also being stainless steel. So they came out with the brass version, probably, gosh, it's probably been two years now, at least a year, year and a half. They came out with the brass one. And what the, Super is is a metal barrel pen. If you're familiar with the lily put, it's like an extra large sized shaped lily put, just straight barrel, rounded ends, and it uses a number six nib, which is the key in all of this. So based on the configuration, it's a it's a configurable pen, right? So it has a barrel section that you can take apart and remove almost like an inch long section out of the barrel to either extend the pen to a full traditional death size pen or shorten the pen into like a pocketable little bit larger than the Kaveco Lily put style of pen. I love the idea of this. I just don't know that it needs to exist because I don't think the end use of this pen is both configurations you either want it for the long pen or want it for the short pen. And I think most people, myself included, would want it for the short pen because that's where it's a standout pen. If the barrel section is removed, you you take that off, set it on your desk, and then you screw the barrel back together with the, with the grip section. And you can cap it. It's a great sized EDC pocket pen. It's still you know, big enough and heavy enough and substantial enough to write with. It's got a number six nib, which is great. And we're going to, we're going to talk about the nib a little bit more later because I had some issues and it's just, it's kind of perfect as the Lilliput XL, which is what I call it. Right. So it's kind of perfect for that small size. And it also in the small size, it just takes short international cartridges. So if you put the, middle section back into the pen screw it all back together it's now a full length pen it uses a full length um international converter right you can fit you know your normal converter into that 
you just have a, a much more bulky pin and the middle section sticks out a little bit, right? Because they have to have all this these threading options to to build the pin how you want. So it sticks out a little bit. It doesn't really bother me too much. But it becomes too big and too heavy when it's at full length and there's no way you can post the cap on there. I mean, technically it's it's made to post, right? It's a threaded cap posting, but then it becomes a baton in your hand, right? It's like a it's like a weapon at that point. It it gets so long and so heavy, it's unusable. So I almost want this to like to be split up into like two different pins. When I was sharing it on stream, someone mentioned, well what if they we all like the short configuration. Like I think it's pretty universal that everyone loves the short configuration of this pen. So why don't they make that and call it the Lilliput XL or call it the some different kind of the sport model, right? It's about as wide in diameter as like the AL Sport, but uses a six nib instead of a five nib. And then take the full length barrel, just make it a single single length barrel and do some unique acrylics in that full length barrel and make like a longer eyedropper pen, you know, kind of like a nicer Perkyo. So the Perkyo is their long barrel entry level pen. It uses a number five nib. I think it might be, it might be a six or something in between. Um, and I, I just don't think the use case for this pen is in the full, ex fully extended configuration. So that's my hesitancy. And it's like, how do you recommend this? It's like, well, if you really love the Lilliput and want a little bit bigger pen, you're really going to like this pen. Outside of that, like, I don't know how I could re really recommend I, it for anyone because uh, I don't think the the long version is is that good. I really don't like the way it looks when you have the extender part in it because you end up with like this up, down, up, down mm -hmm. type. Yes. Right, like you see it in the images. It's like it's a like, plateau. Yeah, and there's like the middle part is like thinner than the grip section and the cap. Like it, it just looks really yep. weird both when it's capped and when it's posted. Um, that just seems it seems strange to me. Frankly, like you know, you could maybe say this for a lot of brands, but like I feel it here. I'm not really sure why this pen exists and. Mm -hmm. Maybe I I feel like Kaveco might have too many pen lines now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they so might I, I have think, a couple too many. I think about this a lot, right? This <laughs> this is one of my things. Like if I'm Kaveco and I'm in the lab and I am experimenting, I think I come up with this design and think it's a good idea, right? Like I can see talking myself into this experiment and selling it up the chain as this is something we should make. I think in the end, it's probably not a necessary product, right? I think you're better off just making the, a Lilliput XL and, and going from there. So, but I could see why Kaveco makes this. I just don't know that we're going to see them continue with this product, right? I think it's, I think that's probably... Yeah, I think they've probably gotten what they needed out of this product. I don't think it's going to be a long-term win for Kaveco like some of the other product lines that they've done. So, so I'm on Kaveco's it's very, website. It's so interesting. I want mm -hmm. to list to you their series. Classic <laughs> Sport, Skyline Sport, Frosted Sport, AL Sport, Brass Sport, Steel Sport, AC Sport, Lilliput, Supra, SketchUp, Special, which is a line, Elegance, mm -hmm. Student, Dia 2, Perkyo. 
So I know all those except the elegance. I don't know what the elegance is, but all those I have, I can, I can tell you exactly what they are. The, the, the biggest problem I have is they keep, I think they muck up the, the classic sport lineup with all of the different names, uh, skyline ice. I think you just make them classic sport and then do the colors that you want for skyline and ice and, and all of those things. Yeah. I'm not um, really sure other ones why I get, skyline as a line exists. Like it doesn't make right, sense to me. It's, They're just all sports in different colors. Right, so the skylines are the silver stamping, and the classics are the gold stamping. Gold stamping, gold nibs. Skylines are silver stamps and silver nibs. Yeah, I know. I'm agreeing with you on this one. I've I've never liked that. The other ones I get because they're at least invoking the material name and the name of the product, even though it's technically the same shape. Like the the AL sport, the brass sport, the steel sport, and the carbon sport are all the same silhouette of pen with different barrel materials it's the it's the the plastic sports that i i don't like the naming convention of mm-hmm. all right we good with that one because i'm going to talk about this next topic i find it very interesting yeah this is yeah okay go on yeah this is the um this is the st louis pen show virtual maker fair so St. Louis was one of the, they were scheduled for the end of June, actually probably coming up here in the next week or two would have been their pin show here in, in St. Louis, uh, Missouri in the United States. And they do a great job of having makers kind of, I guess you would say get involved in a theme of making products specific show specific products for them to sell at the show well of course the show got canceled because of COVID-19 and so a lot of these makers had already had these products so what the St. Louis Pen Show did was feature all of these products on their website and allow you to go buy them from the makers how great is this idea I mean it makes a lot of sense especially if they asked, you know, they've got the buy-in from these companies to commit to mm-hmm. making. It looked like purple was the theme this year. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that maybe one or two of the products already existed. Like one of them is the Canalea Pen Co. Aeolani, but it was mm-hmm. maybe they'd made more for that show, right, or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that is like, it feels like the right kind of thing to do for me as like a a goodwill gesture towards these. Mm-hmm brands because you know like they don't it's nobody's fault right um right it's not like it's product that these companies don't have to sell but it's nice to put them all together and try and draw a bit of attention to to some companies that you'd kind of tried to to get on on your side i think it's yeah and I i think it generates a lot of goodwill too between the promoters and the consumers with the you know vendors in between you know that the vendors know that the promoters have their back and the the customers or attendees of of the show know that the promoters are putting in the work to support these makers and it's just kind of all a great little ecosystem i think like these pens like the ones from heinz pens is is a really cool material like this purple and turquoise swirl um there's a couple of brands in here that i'm not familiar with that i'm going to to look at there is a from opus opus michan um it's a really neat pen called the musician you know it's just your acrylic pen but it's this beautiful purple and black swirl and i think a lot of the pens have already sold out because they did this and were able to feature these pens directly and like i know you can get the the kwz ink that's a really really good purple and there's like i think there's still more of the purple they 
they I think maybe they changed the name <laughs> after the mm-hmm. after they found out they're going to have to sh- the show the, the the ink is called KWZ Stay Home Purple, which is is brilliant. Like they're just they're leaning into this, and I just love what they did. If it was called Stay Home Purple beforehand, then whoever named it is a witch. <laughs> Yeah, or they just needed to be fired at that point, but now it's genius. <laughs> if you're if you're if your custom ink for your pen show, you're getting everyone to attend to stay home, then uh-huh. you've probably lost your job. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're no longer part of the marketing team. But if you did it after the fact, yeah, now you're like, oh, this is genius. You you just got a promotion on this one. So yeah. <laughs> uh, this is still highlighting to me though a thing that I think is needed but hasn't been done and I don't know if it can be done uh, which is like a truly online pen show Mm -hmm. um, which is totally that has serious buy-in from a lot of the brands that would be on the pen show circuits you know so we're talking like good you know different pricing additional Mm -hmm. product available show special product available limited times you know like so certain makers will open their table at nine in the morning you know like that i would like to right. see something like that but it that would take a lot of coordinating i think could be a successful thing if you could get enough people on board i mean frankly it could even be better than the typical pen show um kind of turnover that these companies would see and i think mm-hmm. that there is a real they, you know, there's a business case for it, which is the same business case that uh, all of these makers and vendors would go to a pen show for. Um, mm. But it, it would take a lot of coordination. Uh, I'm not going to be the person to do it, and and it would need a lot of like technical know-how to really kind of get things taken care of and put together properly. It would take a lot of planning. But frankly, we have the time, and there's not going to be a, an in-person pen show anywhere, uh, especially in America uh, this year. Like it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I, I will just put it out there, right, as an idea. Like if people think they could do it, like I think they should try. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity for someone to be an online pen show promoter right now. Mm-hmm. Right, take ownership of the on- online pen show once a year or twice a year to to do this. But it's that would be like you said, it's a massive amount of work. Like if right, you started like, today, there, it's there, not even going to happen this year. But it mm-hmm. could it could happen even in years where there's full of pen shows. You can still get all these companies from around the world into virtual I think events. Someone, you know, twice a year, like one of the larger pen shows, like the promoters for one of the larger pen shows. I am thinking about a specific one right now. Like I feel like mm-hmm. they have the relationships. Like it could be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to put this in the doc because the question is: Are any other shows going to do something like this? You know, they for should. this year's show and. Could they have an alternate calendar year, say like six months apart from their regular show, have their virtual show, you know, where they've, you know, feature these brands twice a year, you know, one in person, you know, in the future when we're back to attending shows and once at the exact opposite side of the schedule for a virtual pen show. I would like to see it. Mm-hmm. Someone could, mm-hmm. someone could do it. But yeah. don't all do I, I it. If, 
<laughs> then there, if everyone do, does it, then no one does it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it really needs right. to be like a very coordinated affair. Um, mm-hmm. You have to get buy-in from a lot of people to make it like truly doable. Yeah. Um, but doesn't seem impossible. I mean, like, you know, even with something like that, uh, you could end up helping companies that don't have typical online uh, representation, right? Don't have an online mm-hmm. store. Could still do something like this if you can coordinate. It's like, you know, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of work there, but I think there could be, there could be some real benefit there if it was mm-hmm. done right. I mean, we do have Fountain Pen Day every year. You know, just saying, mm-hmm. like in November. So just saying. All right, what do you think about the Retro 51 Pearl, Mike? It's beautiful. It's pretty beautiful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this is their 30th anniversary pin, their last anniversary, the final anniversary. <laughs> it's a pin of teardrops, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so this is the the Pearl anniversary is the 30th anniversary, and Retro made a set of pins this time. And I think there was, is there uh, 1,951 um, models, versions of this pen? Like, is it, is it a limited edition, I think, of 1,951? So it becomes, it's in the roller Tornado uh, Rollerball, the Fountain Pen, and the Mechanical Pencil. Will you be acquiring any of these said products? I would like to uh, get a Fountain Pen version. Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting. But I haven't yet found where to get that from yeah i think the they're about to drop it was i read some follow-up to the to their posts that like their initial online um release sold out directly but all the retailers haven't had theirs out yet kind of thing but i i I could be wrong in that so yeah like this is not a pin for me like i have zero interest in this but i love this at the same time it's great looking it's what i would expect for this type of anniversary pin i like that it's across three products instead of simply one and it's just an all-around good job that we're gonna miss when they're not around anymore and i'm gonna keep hammering that home mike Mm. So yeah, it's great. It's great. So the one that came and went real quick, we didn't put this in the show notes because it arrived and sold out so quickly. They did a stealth one a few weeks ago. Did you happen to catch that? The what? Yeah, don't go look up their previous release before this because it sold out so fast. It was a tornado and I don't know the exact model number, but it was essentially, I don't. Th- I think it was a stealth bomber, but it was an all black um, in their airplane series. Hmm. And it sold out so fast that you you couldn't even get one. Like if you weren't there, like clicking clicking the button. So no, I'm not surprised that. that you didn't see. It. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty cool. We didn't even get a chance to talk about it because there was no. By the time it it launched and by the time it sold out was within the span of one of our recordings. So there was no point in even discussing it Blimey. until now. No, I didn't mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, so the SR seventy one under the radar. So it's pretty sweet looking. I got to admit, like, again, not for me, but this is why we like Retro 51 because they do really cool stuff like this. Oh, it was the SR 71. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get it a little bit more now. Huh. You know, I didn't even see this one. Didn't even see it. I mean, this wouldn't have been my, you know, I wouldn't have run for it, but uh, I can see that yeah. why people would like it. Exactly. When are they actually going to stop? Do we have any idea? At the beginning of the year, 
it was going to be September. Okay. When the end of new products was going to happen. Okay. But okay. whether that's changed, I like I don't even ask the question anymore. I guess because I don't want to know. Mm. <laughs> yep. All right. So what's next here? You you put in this you put in this topic. I want you to to lead in and and tell me why you you added these to the show doc this week. Yeah. So there was you you wrote a review uh, of a nib called the Estabrook the Journaler nib, which mm-hmm. is an interesting. Um, yeah, but it reminds me of like the uh, the Franklin Christoph kind of model of taking a nib and having a nib grinder produce a nib for you to sell. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I think of, of like the Mike Masayama nibs that they would do um, mm-hmm. or the Sig nibs, right? That kind of idea. Right. Um, and so they, they worked with... Um, who was it that they worked with? Was it uh, Gina Salarino, Custom Nib Studio. Custom yep. Nib Studio to create... Or to to basically work uh, some nibs into a shape, right? Um, and they've called mm-hmm. it the journaler. Do you know why it's got that name? I don't know exactly why it's that name. I guess just the the intent of how the nib is designed to write. So you gotta when you're looking at Esterbrook nibs, you gotta look at the history that they're trying to recreate. And Esterbrook is famous for creating you know 200 or so different styles of nibs for all types of different works you know they used to have like just highly specific accounting nibs and general writing nibs and school nibs and in all of these different categories so this was designed to mimic a specific nib called the 9314 all of these nibs had uh, were based on numbers and you right. just have, when you look at Esterbrook, like the vintage stuff, they just have charts <laughs> full of nib styles and names. It's really wild if you dig into the Esterbrook history. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to do here with this. And then uh, it's Camro Industries that own Esterbrook now, isn't it? And yes. they've done some interesting stuff where they've created pen models where you can attach the old nibs to the new pens, right? Like there's like, is yes. that correct? Like they've created like attachments to do that, which I think is 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 quite interesting. Um, but what it, it really seems like in, in recent times is that they're really pushing the brand and they're doing some interesting mm-hmm. stuff. Like there's, I actually would really like to get my hand on one of the composition pens yes. that they've done, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is their Camden model. And it looks like the composition notebook. They do a, have a green one, which I think is awesome looking yeah um, uh, in a couple of styles um and then as well as the journal and nib and we'll talk about it in a little more detail in a minute they also have this this very sparkly finish what is the name of this pen i've seen these that is a around. great question <laughs> that's a great question mike this is the hardest one of the more, more difficult names to to come up with so it's the Esterbrook SDOS Sparkle Montana Sapphire is okay, the specific one yeah. I have. And then there's two other colors in there, which I don't have the names memorized, but it's essentially Esterbrook SDOS Sparkle and then the barrel color name. The other ones is like a burgundy and gold and the and the third one's a blue and gold. So yeah, the and one I have is called Montana Sapphire. Amazing. Like they mm-hmm. photograph very well. It's basically yeah. just like they took a tub of glitter and just dumped it into <laughs> the like to the pen barrels. So I'll tell you specifically in this case it's not glitter, it's called diamond cast. It's literally diamond dust in there. So that's the that's the kicker with this series of pens with the sparkle series of pens. Wait. So it's what? um <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, if you look up Diamond Cast, that is the maker. I, f- I forget the name of the maker. Um, he's here in the U.S. and he has he makes acrylic rods using uh, diamond dust particles, and that's what this is. Wow. So that's why you get this this unique depth and coloration, just because of the you know the way the light reflects off of it and the the amount of of dust uh, put in there. It's it's pretty amazing. It's a really amazing ah, looking pen. Okay, and this explains the price. This is more expensive than I was expecting. <laughs> but now I feel like I understand. These are three hundred ninety five dollars <laughs> at retail. I I, yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot cheaper than that. I don't know why yeah. exactly, um, but now I feel like I have a little bit more of an understanding. Uh, I really <laughs> like the Montana Sapphire one um, that you have. It lo- it yeah. really does look very special. Now I understand why it looks that special, I guess. Uh, so then the journaler nib is a $50 nib, mm-hmm. and you were uh, very complimentary of it. I, I really mm-hmm. kind of – I just wanted to, to kind of j- jumble all this stuff together – that I personally am just quite impressed uh, by what, what like the Estabrook lineup. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it looks really great, honestly. Like overall, like, it, and and I just kind of wondered how you're feeling about it all now. So that's what I tried to get across in the journal journaler nib review. That. I appreciate how they're handling some of these smaller batch releases with the journaler nib and with the diamond cast resins to where they're saying, Hey, we we've, we're essentially building this new brand. Let's just, let's just say it like that for Estabrook, right? It's, it's been around, it's had different iterations, but this is the, the new Estabrook. So yeah, it has a good uh, history, a good name. They, mm-hmm. they harken mm-hmm. back to some of the history of it but mm-hmm. they're also leaving it behind, which is, I think, is the right thing to do. Right. And so, in, in a the way, beginning... I, I mean, like, in, the, in yes. the sense of, like, so they started out kind of making a lot of products that were very, like, Estabrook that you know, and mm-hmm. now they're making stuff which is, like, like these sparkle pens, which is, this is what you want now. <laughs> right. Right. So, so yeah. they've handled this transition pretty well. Like, they started out simple and straightforward and i don't mean that in necessarily like the pen design like the materials they used were pretty cool in the beginning and from day one you could buy the attachment that allowed you to use your old esterbrook nibs with no which no current version of esterbrook ownership had ever tried to do right to to take hold of some of the vintage favorites stylings of Esterbrook, put them into new pens, allow you to use things like the nibs. Yeah, which is and like then, when you look at it, it's like there's the obvious thing to do. Right. right. Like it's right. wild but that it's it not easy. Been like you have no, to have someone easy. that can yeah. commit to that. Yeah. So then they take in that and then they modernize the barrel, right? None of the barrels are really reminiscent of classic Esterbrooks. I mean they have the Phaeton, which I I really don't like that one. But that's really not the main. Yeah, that looks like line. an the main old product pen. line. Is the SD? The rest of them, yeah, don't. yeah. The main product is the SD, and they're really leaning into, hey, how can we become? How can we tell the story of Esterbrook, and then we can also have these cool collaborations with people that are part of the fountain pen community, like Gina for the journaler nib, and like the diamond cast resin. And I know they already have another nib that's going to come out to mimic. Like, it's the perfect idea to mimic these old popular Esterbrook nibs that no one has been able to use but might have heard of. 
and have it in a modern pen that speaks to like the modern style and aesthetic. Oh, that makes of, it's starting to make a little bit more sense to me now why it's called the journaler. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not a nib that's going to help you journal any differently, but mm, it's like, yeah. as you said, I used to have nibs named for professions, you know, like so you have like right. the accountant's nib or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to like name them based on what people are actually using their pens for now. That's kind of clever. Yeah. So I know who's making the next one, but I don't know what the next nib is. I don't know what it, the, what the feature, what it's mm. going to mimic or how it, what the style is going to be. So I, I look forward to that. Like I, I find that interesting to keep like your brand awareness going to for Estabrook to sell more Estabrook pens because that's yeah. really what they want to do, right? Yeah. So I, I think this is a cool thing to do. Now, this, the Sparkle... Like you, I have a little bit of consternation at the price on this because even though the diamond cast resin is more expensive than your standard acrylics that Esther Brooks using and maybe two to three times more expensive, that doesn't make the end result pen like twice as expensive as what the normal Estes are. It's a pretty big jump for the sparkle. So it's done really well. The Montana Sapphire, the one that I have, I think is far like a runaway sales hit. I'll be interested to see if the blue and the red ones eventually start to sell out as well because it's such a big jump between like the the Lilac. I use the Estabrook SD Lilac, which is like a $160 pen, and the Montana is like 320. So it's almost exactly twice as much at retail, right? So they have the MSRPs and they have the 20% off that all retailers get when they sell them. So it's, you're asking twice as much. Um, and I think that's a lot. <laughs> I think it's too much, honestly, but I mean, I'm, it's, I've been proven wrong quickly with the, the Montana Sapphire though, because I think it's pretty much sold out everywhere. I'm not surprised. I mean, that is no, the, it's, the it's winner of looking. the three. Like, I think if you were going to yeah. buy one of them, it's probably the one you would buy. So it doesn't surprise yep. me if that any of them are going to sell out. That would be the one to sell out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I it, overall, big picture, I love what they're trying to do. I love what they're executing. Um, I love the quality of the pins. They, they've, they've delivered on everything that they've tried to deliver. Um, except the Phaeton, um, so far. And I see them continuing to be, to be able to do this type of work, uh, going forward with the Estabrook. It makes me interested in watching what they do, which when you're building a brand, I think that's kind of all you can hope for that people are interested in what you do next because you've done interesting things and you've done them well so far. Mm. I have a piece of long term follow up for the show. <laughs> yeah. This, this one surprised me. I finally got one of the Aaron Draplin watches. <laughs> Was there a relaunch? Did it come into the store? How did you did you come about this? They, uh, well, like the Draplin Design Co. had another, I think, 400. Uh, it's like mm. the second edition, and they had 400 of them. And they, uh, I, I saw the post go up. I also heard a bunch of Pen Addict listeners like, alert me. Um, uh-huh. that, that they announced like we're going to be selling these like in a couple of days or whatever uh, and I put a reminder on and I got one uh, and I'm wearing it right now and nice. I absolutely love it like it's so fantastic this thing was $85 plus shipping mm-hmm. and it's awesome it's orange and black and white and it's got like the you know like the typeface it's like the on the, on the watch face it's just mm-hmm. so draplin. Like, it really is like awesome. It's very, 
it fits my kind of styling a lot, like my kind of day-to-day styling. Uh, I'm super, super, super pleased. I'm very like I'm really pleased that I was able to get it. I'm super happy that I got it already. Uh, yeah, this is a great purchase for me. I, yeah. you know, I just love something that is so stylish and and kind of comparably like so cheap, like compared to like typical watches, you know, or like especially right. even like the watches that I tend to own these days, like are much more expensive than this one. Uh, so I'm yeah, I love it. I'm super happy. Yeah, so if you want to hear more from Aaron Draplin, he was just on the Erasables podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes to them. He was in their last episode. Oh, really? With him. Yep, yep. So I haven't listened to it yet. It's queued up. It's probably next couple days I'll listen to it. It's been out for like a week or so, if not more. Second, this is a little bit like Esterbrook in that what Draplin did was take one of the all-time classic Timex designs as the platform and draplinized it, right? So even though it's not the same, like Esterbrook's not making some of the old like J-series pens and, and making them, they're modernizing them, they're changing it up a little bit, but Draplin like sees a classic design like this Timex and puts his stamp on it and it just comes out so good. Like it's really, really nice. Yeah, also um, nice. I don't know what, I don't know what nice is. But it's all of those things together. He, uh, he yeah. niced it up. I love it, man. I'm really happy yeah. with it. Like black and orange, yep. like fits perfect for me. Yeah. If I was more of a watch guy, I would I would get one. I just don't need it. This I, is I, a I Brad Dowdy watch, though. I'll tell you oh, that. This would fit 100%. you perfect. A hundred thousand percent. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not, I mean, compared to, like, I have to compare it to, like, the, the expense that I've spent on pins recently. And it's just like, I... I don't need an $85 watch if I'm not going to wear it. Like the price doesn't matter if I'm not going to wear it, even though I love it. All right. I think that wraps it up for today's episode. You can find links and show notes at relay.fm slash pen slash four one nine or in your podcast app of choice. I want to thank pen Chalet for the support of the show and for relay FM members who support the pen addict. Thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate your support. You can go to penaddict.com to find more of Brad's work. Go to spokedesign.com, knock.co. There's a lot of great products on all those websites. Uh, Brad streams on Twitch on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So you can go and check Brad out. And all of those are posted to YouTube as well if you want to catch them uh, kind of on demand. Uh, You can also find Brad. He is Pen Addict on Instagram. Dowdy is on Twitter. And I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. The show is a part of Relay FM. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, go to relay.fm slash shows and you might find something for you right there. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.